Hey, my name is Julia and welcome to the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. I left my full-time clinical dietitian job to pursue freelance work and now I'm showing you how to do the same. If you want to learn how to make money freelancing, you're in the right place. Hey, and welcome for another episode of the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. I am really excited to share this week's guest with you. We actually both went to the same university, and it was such a blast catching up. I think you're going to learn a lot from her in today's episode. Trista Chan is a registered dietitian who seeks to inspire others to live their best life through accessible and engaging nutrition content and counseling. She holds a master's degree in nutrition communication, and she spends her time balancing creative freelance projects with her private practice that focuses on PCOS and disordered eating. When she's not being a dietitian, you can find her exploring her home city of Toronto or new destinations. Welcome to the show, Trista. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really wanted to interview interview you because I know you balance freelance work and you run a successful private practice at the same time. And I just thought it would be great to, to bring someone on the show who can speak to that juggling act. Um, and before we dive into that, do you want to share some details about yourself and introduce us to your RD journey? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Julia. So nice to reconnect. Um, after all these years, for those who may not know, Julian actually did our undergrad together. So it's so cool to see actually almost like a decade later, you know, where our careers have taken us. Um, I know. Yeah, but, but if I backtrack even a little bit before then, so in terms of when my RD journey started, I've had aspirations to be one since high school. Of course, the definition for me of what I want out of being a dietitian and that actual career trajectory has um changed significantly over time. So I always grew up growing up, you know, being really into nutrition. My family placed a big role on like family meals, like science. Um, but I always knew that I've never really fit into that inpatient mold, so to speak. And I, and, you know, I hesitate mm. to call it a mold. I know, you know, every role is so different in patients. Um, you can probably relate as well. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but I always knew that I wanted to be involved in more creative projects, kind of carve my own path. My family is filled with, you know, entrepreneurs, business people, um, always kind of just grew up, never really around that nine to five environment anyway. Um, so I did my undergrad, interesting. really interested in private practice, ended up doing afterwards, I didn't go straight into internship or graduate school, I ended up doing a workplace wellness certificate, worked at a health tech startup for a year. And then thought, okay, let's give this, you know, sh- another shot, right? So the reason I didn't go that straight path was like, I'll be honest, I didn't get it anywhere, but that's okay. It all worked out. Um, so then around that time, I started hearing more about the Ryerson Masters of Health Science, Communication, Nutrition. Um, and I thought it was just like the perfect blend of creative work, of dietetic training, of, you know, communication, and applied, got in. And then from there, I started building my portfolio from freelance projects. Even when I was in grad school, I loved, loved, loved that program because my practical coordinator, Megan, was really, really, um, you know, supportive in terms of our own career goals, right? So she knew I wanted to do private practice or some sort of media freelance, not too sure at that point what that was yet, but she made sure I was able to do placements. Mm-hmm in the field, right? And work with media freelance dietitians. Um, and that's kind of how I got here today. I just kind of grew from there, which is exciting. I did a small stint, stint in nonprofit, but now I do 
part-time private practice, part-time freelance, and then I work part-time as well as an outpatient clinic dietitian. So I keep pretty busy with those those three roles. (laughs) I love that. Wow. Thank you for sharing. It sounds like you've always had a core vision of what you wanted your kind of professional life to look like. And then you've really worked at tailoring the RD profession to bring that vision to life, right? Which isn't that standard nine to five job. Like you wanted to carve your own path. I love that. What a creative spirit. That's awesome. Thank you. And I definitely remember when you were doing your master's and you were like posting all of these mm-hmm. like, like media segments that you were a part of and you were mm-hmm. writing behind the scenes. And I think sometimes you're on them. I thought that was the coolest oh. thing in the world. I'm like, go yes. Trista. Oh, thanks. And you know what? The, we're, I feel very grateful, right? Being in this day and age where like even five, 10 years ago, I don't think a lot of dietitians who maybe really craves that creative work had as many opportunities to, and then especially with COVID, right? The past two years, it's totally shifted the whole industry. Yeah. Yes. Big time. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's maybe modernized the RD oh, yes. profession and we're kind of catching up to what other nutrition professionals yes. are doing. Maybe who don't carry credentials. Yes. I think it's totally getting RDs like on mm-hmm. the map in the digital scene, which is like so overdue and it's like, awesome. We, we should totally be here. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Modernizing is like the perfect word to describe it all. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, definitely you're wearing many hats and so mm-hmm. tailoring it down to freelancing. Mm-hmm. I I just wanted to hear a little bit more about maybe your first projects that you started, because obviously you're yeah. kind of hooked up with freelance media RDs. I know you've been doing a bit of writing, so maybe mm-hmm. we can walk through that experience a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I got started even before I became a dietitian, as I was doing right. placements, building my portfolio, thankfully through my master's program and just like volunteering, I already had an existing portfolio of like blog posts, right? Written articles, um, and then I interned under, you know, Abby Sharp, right from Abby's Kitchen. A lot of dietitians may know her. Um, so from there, I really, really, you know, up-leveled, I'd say, my skills in nutrition translation science. And she has such a big platform that I feel like anytime I put that on my portfolio, it was really a big mm-hmm. leverage, right? Um, so I started looking through opportunities online. My first freelance job I got was through Upwork. And I know that Upwork is a bit contentious, right? There's, you know, I personally have some great opportunities. I've also totally understood some people maybe feel frustrated because there's also a large influx of, you know, $5, $10 jobs. And it can be quite ridiculous at some points. Um, But I got a gig writing a blog post about plant proteins for like some random dude in California. It was just like, tech startup gig, you know? Oh my gosh, so on brand for Cali. <laughs> right, <that>. so <laughs> on brand for Cali, like so West Coast. Um, and it was like surprisingly a decent pay too. So from there, built a little bit of confidence. I was like, you know what? If I can get paid this rate, right? I think it was like 20 cents a word, which was like pretty good for, I find like just a student. Um, I was like, why wouldn't I try to pursue this more and also build my confidence in terms of like charging what I may actually be worth, right? And once I actually get those credentials. Um, So I added that to my portfolio. I just continue volunteering for other dietitians. It gave me the confidence boost to start my own Instagram, my own social media presence for credibility. And from there, I just kind of grew, right? You get one upward job, you get the reviews, you're invited to do other ones, you have networks, referrals, ghostwriting for other dietitians. 
Um, and it gets good from there. So one thing I love about freelancing is that the work is so varied. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it can feel like a little bit of a hustle, right? But but that's exciting in a way, right? And that's exciting, all the different leads and avenues that you can get from clients from. Totally. I'm totally in that camp. I think it's kind of like a rush. It's like exhilarating when you finally get that win. You're like, it was all worth it. It was so worth it. Right. Right. It's like, oh my goodness. It's like a drug. It's pretty addictive, like challenging yourself. I mean, definitely that personality. I have that trait for sure. It's just like Mm -hmm. a little mini goal I set for myself. Like nobody in the world else cares, but I'm here and I'm, I want to get like a secure lead out of the whole sea of people who haven't, I don't know. Yeah. I guess we're go-getters, right? Totally. Agreed. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah. I also want to say about Upwork. I mean, I definitely hear a lot of like flack about it. I'm mm-hmm. definitely on team Upwork. There's no yeah. shame in the Upwork game. Like it brings people <laughs> for so many reasons. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I always just tell people it's a safe place to learn about freelancing. And I think like, I think a lot of people are surprised how many RDs start on that platform mm-hmm. and then get what they need from it. They educate themselves, boost their confidence, get a, you know, portfolio piece, and then they move on. And mm-hmm. that sounds exactly like your trajectory. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. It's like, like we got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah totally for sure. <laughs> and so, right now, obviously, things are going really well in your private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever told you this, but this is Arana, but I actually have PCOS, and I love looking at your content because oh. I find it like so helpful for myself. And you know, I have my own medical team, and I'm taken care of. But yeah. it's really inspiring, Trista. You do awesome stuff. Oh, thanks so much, Julie. I'm so glad to hear that. I had no idea. I swear, every week I meet someone else who's like, hey, I'm also living with this condition. Yeah. Oh God, I need to talk about it more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just normalize it. It's like, exactly. you know, it's not who I am. It's just a part of me. But anyway, exactly. I, I, I was bringing up your private practice because I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, you know, how are you delegating your time? Because I think time management yeah. can be really tough when people are taking on multiple mm-hmm. ventures, mm-hmm. but obviously creativity is so important to you. And I assume that the freelancing plays a large chunk into that. So how are yeah. you splitting your hours right now between practice and freelancing yeah oh my goodness that is such a good question and i'll be completely honest julia i'm always trying to fine-tune and tweak and like automate everything and find the best workflow for myself because i find with private practice and freelance it's like two totally different hats and you really have to like shift mental gears to actually perform like good work especially for freelance you kind of have to be in like that creative writing zone right Um, yeah. So, so currently I spend about 10 hours a week on my private practice and that's just client facing and then about five ish hours a week on freelance. And that's for like the writing, the client acquisition, right. The feedback, the editing process and all of that. And I literally block out like chunks of time on my calendar, non-negotiable for that freelance work. I find private practice. It is a little bit, um, easier to streamline that work or stay focused because you're accountable to the client, right? You're facing them, right? It's like, I can't procrastinate on, you know, a client session, right? Yes. Versus freelance, I've definitely fallen down that rabbit hole of like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it at night. Oh, I'll do it on Saturday. I'll do it on Sunday. And it's just like lingering on your mind. So I treat it as if that client were right there watching me work, I have it there on Wednesday afternoons. That's my five hours a week, right? That is my non-negotiable time for myself. And it's consistent. It's about building that just into your workflow, right? Choosing that one day, kind of like how I tell clients to meal prep, choose that one day where you're grocery shopping, right? This is my one day where I'm just working on my freelance. Nothing outside of that before or after. (laughs) 
That's perfect. I love that. Yeah. I think that's definitely the way to do it. And especially if you want to take it seriously and keep developing, I mean, it is a creative pursuit. So I agree. Like it can be so hard after you've been lending a lot of like emotional, like emotional labor for your patients and just showing up and using your clinical brain, like to come up with a creative way to talk about, you know, plant proteins after all that can be like too much, just like too much right now. Totally agree. Yeah. It's like something to just be constantly aware of. Right. And then just mm-hmm. preventing that burnout too. I find the more totally. I don't prioritize it, the more it's just stuck in the back of my head lingering. Right. I'll do it tomorrow and tomorrow. It's like the creativity just dies as well. So there is some method to the madness. Like I do need a little bit of that structure, right. Mm-hmm. To just compartmentalize that kind of yeah, work. That makes total <laughs> sense. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you've mentioned that you've done some writing. What would be some of the other type of freelance projects that you've done? Yeah. So I also do a lot of branded work. So recipe development for um, food companies. Recently, I'm current or I'm currently in the middle of a campaign for uh, sort of strawberries. So whether it's international brands, local brands, I do the recipe development, post the social media, make fun Instagram reels, write videos trying to be a Gen Z. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I also do workshop development facilitation, right? So that's where I leverage some of that workplace wellness programming skills and networks that I built there. So organizations, corporations, you know, I'm currently working on a presentation for Heart Pulse Month. Gotcha. Um, and just other, so those are the two core things that branded work, workshop development, and of course the writing. And then just interspersed between that from now, I'm sure you've experienced more, I'd say, random. I wouldn't even know where to classify them types of work, right? So I've done like focus groups for product development, randomly got contacted through social media, right? I've done pretty random but pretty cool jobs on Upwork. Like I partnered with this food security organization that's based in Africa to create these nutrition game cards for kindergartners, which is a lot of fun, but I'm like, not too sure where I classify that research development, I suppose. Um, so that always keeps me on my toes. Yeah. That's awesome. That is such a great variety. And can you talk a little bit about, cause mm. I, you know, I don't get a lot of freelance RDs on the show who have like a patient forward freelance gig that they offer, like hosting a workshop. Uh-huh. A lot of the freelance RDs I've encountered so far yeah. are mostly based on digital space or tech space yeah. or writing. So like if you were to pitch a company to do like a lunch and learn or like a health oriented presentation, mm-hmm. do you have maybe a couple steps on where to start? Oh yeah, for sure. So looking at the organization, um, most companies, even smaller tech startups do have like a wellness budget, right? Within their human resources, resources department and have a pretty good budget. I will say towards all workshops, employee engagement initiatives. So if, you know, any RDs listening, maybe they work at a hospital, health clinic, likely you'll get emails from HR time to time about like workshops they have coming up for like stress yeah. management, mental health, all that good stuff. And nutrition, dietitians absolutely fall under that category. So if you're pitching, reach out to HR, health and safety, find them on LinkedIn. There's, there may even be wellness coordinators whose sole job is to manage these workshops. Um, and send them, you know, a, a, a pitch, whether that's like a media kit, or Dietitians of Canada has a great resource on employee wellness initiatives and the, the benefits of that. Um, and let them know, right? Send them your portfolio, send them your, you know, your website. I put a little 
section on my website about workshops, topics I've covered in the past, and just let them know what's a service you offer. More likely than not, even if they don't immediately, you know, book your services, right, you'll be on their mind when inevitably a nutrition initiative does occur. So, and once you get that first contact, exactly, when that need arises, and once you get that Mm -hmm. first contact, right, it'll just snowball from there. And it's such a great area to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such great tips. Sometimes we forget, at least I'll speak to myself, mm-hmm. like, kind of forget the most obvious spots to offer nutrition services. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, of course, a corporation, like people love talking to RDs. They love asking their nutrition mm-hmm. conversations and you know, you're totally right. Like big organizations have a budget for that. So it's very yeah. likely that they'd be willing to pay you to come in for a chat and hopefully you get a big turnout. And it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh my gosh, that's so obvious. And yet I always forget about it. I don't know. I, maybe I've been at home too long during COVID, yeah, <laughs> that was like perfectly said. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. So much opportunity there. So much. So I encourage yeah. you to check it out. Everyone is yeah. Just it. go for it. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> and speaking of brand work, do you mm-hmm. have a specific brand or food organization that is your dream to work with one day? Oh my goodness. Yes. This is, I feel like so cliche, but I live in Canada, right? I'm a Canadian at President's Choice. Oh my God, I love <laughs> so PC. I love PC. So the only caveat, I know Love Laws, they have the in-store dietitians, so the shoppers, right? Likely never going to happen. They have them as resources, as experts in-house. Um, but I love PC, everything about it. I think the products are so delicious, Right. I love the branding, the marketing. I've never tried anything PC that I don't like. Um, and just the experience of like going into love laws is just like feels very relaxing and very much like a treat. So so yeah. I'd be thrilled if they ever, you know, PC, if you're listening, please reach out. I'd be more than happy to partner. <laughs> That is awesome. I do love them. I do love how health focused they are. And I totally agree. Like it's one of the food companies where the the food is actually so delicious and it's not specific to PC, but I mean, after no frills made that grocery song, like their playlist, like, come on, like you cannot compete with any other organization. (laughs) I know their marketing team. Just like, I hope they all got a raise. Like (laughs) genius. I know that was so funny. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, and, the ads are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to ask you about um compensation. Sorry, brain mm-hmm. fart there. Oh. Just because obviously you've done quite a wide range. I mean, oh. are you willing to share any ranges for compensation you've received on those projects or what you would recommend for someone to just to have a ballpark? Obviously, everyone's number is different. There's no mm-hmm. hard and fast number. Mm-hmm. But um, what's your what's your advice here? Yeah, so it depends on the project. If it's more project-based, like the workshops or recipe development, branded work, then I charge hourly. Uh, my rate that I'm comfortable with is $50 an hour for this project. So I usually estimate how long something will take, backtrack, divide it by, you know, that's the that, uh, hours by my hourly rate. And that's what I provide the quotes. Um, when I started off, it was 35 to 40. So essentially just the minimum hourly rate for a dietitian in Toronto to start off. That's how I gauged it as. And then if it comes to writing, um, it depends on the client. I'll actually say that the hourly per project also depends on the client. If it's, you know, a nonprofit, like I've done workshops for CHCs, where I'm like willing to provide a little bit of a lower quote, quote, 
versus like a large organization, right? Or corporation where I know they have the budgets, maybe mm-hmm. they're not as high need, right? As well. Um, yeah. So I, I do gauge it by, by project where I know some colleagues are very you know, firm on their hourly. I am quite flexible with that. Um, and then when it comes to writing, it ranges from 25 cents to 40 cents a word. Depends on the client. I will say for, for larger clients, like let's say health line, um, sometimes they do provide a set rate. And then it's up to you if you want to pick up that article or not. Oh, I see. Usually, for the whole piece, they've got a, a set exactly, rate. Exactly. Exactly. And then it ranges from like 30 to 45 cents a word, I will say. Um, okay. And then it really just depends on the complexity of the topic, I find, for their flat rate. So, of course, if it's like I wrote one that's like, why do pregnant women crave pickles, right? It's a little bit of a lower rate versus something that's a little bit more a deeper dive into, yeah, you know, a little bit more that. complex, yeah. yeah, more scientific. Mm-hmm. For sure, that makes sense. And congrats on writing for Healthline. I know a lot of RDs work for them. I mean, they're such a huge organization. How uh, have your experiences been for them? I know some RDs uh-huh. say that the editing process can be a bit grueling to learn at the yeah. start because obviously they're really strict with their layouts, mm-hmm. but I mean, you develop it. It's not impossible, yeah, yeah. but what's like your experience so far? Yeah, it's been pretty positive so far. And honestly, it's exactly what I was looking for in terms of, uh, you know, something else to add to my portfolio that's consistent, but also flexible. Um, and you know what to expect with them every time, right? So I actually found, or the editor found me on LinkedIn. I added nutrition writer to my headline. On LinkedIn, I submitted a sample piece and I got onboarded to their team. It's been a pretty positive experience. Essentially, you can write as many or as little articles as you have the capacity to take on. Um, and in terms of the editing, it is quite strict, but I guess that's meant to be expected with a larger, more solid application. And the first few articles, there's a bit of editing, um, but then you just get the hang of it, right? You get that master mm-hmm. and it becomes automatic and it becomes more like formulaic. Time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. That's great. Yeah. I've heard a lot of positive stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And I think also within Healthline, I mean, I don't know if you know this, I'm not expecting you to, but mm-hmm. I do think they have also a variety of different departments that are focused mm-hmm. on different health conditions. And, yeah. and I think that's really appealing for RDs too, because it's not just going to be your stereotypical nutrition. Like they really do divide it up into women's health and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are opportunities to niche down, which is exciting if you want to really flex your expertise. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so with that in mind, like you have so much experience by now, Mm -hmm. what would you say to a brand new freelancer who's just starting out? Yeah. So my first piece of advice is to just be resourceful. So you will have so many more resources than you think at your fingertips, right? Even if you've never done anything for a portfolio, there's online blogs. I mean, there's this podcast, right? There's online courses. You have colleagues, past instructors, family, friends, right? So always think how you can leverage your existing resources and to tell literally everyone what you're doing. <laughs> and word of mouth is so, so impactful. Social media, right? Tell your hairdresser, tell your aunt, tell your friends, tell your friends' friends, right? And also just be open to what may seem random and irrelevant, but may actually be very beneficial and transferable opportunities. So there's always transferable skills if your writing doesn't necessarily have to be nutrition to start, it can be anything health related, food related, you know, society, culture related, restaurant reviews. So 
literally so many transferable skills can go back to you being a freelance dietitian. Um, so be resourceful, tell them what you're doing, and be open to random opportunities because you never know where it can take you. That is amazing. And that is like such great <laughs> advice from you, Trista, because it's filled with such optimism and positivity, which you always share that light whenever you're creating your content and engaging oh, with listeners. You. So yeah, that was amazing. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. There's so much fun to be here today. Yeah, it was great. So before I let you go, did you mm. want to share your socials with listeners so they can find you online? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. I am quite active there at the good life dietitian and that's dietitian to tease. Um, and my website is www.thegoodlifedietitian.com. Amazing. I'll post those in the show notes and that wraps us up for our episode. Thank you so much, Trista. My pleasure. Thanks, Julia. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. Next week, I am going to be interviewing Abby Langer. The main reason I wanted to bring Abby on the show is to talk about how she found her writer's voice, because I can count on three fingers a number of RDs who have such a distinct writer's voice that as soon as I can read a paragraph, I know instantly who is writing it. And she is at the top of my list. So that's going to be a majority of what we chat about. Obviously going to talk about her book that she published. And if you don't know Abby Langer, um, I mean, you're going to get to know her next week. She's quite prolific and she does a lot of really good work for advancing the profession and making sure that people are receiving credible nutrition information online. If you're excited for that, and it's coming out next week. In Another note, just wanted to put it out there that Keith, a social worker that came on the show for episode seven, is going to be returning to do a second episode. A lot of listeners just adored the knowledge and the to- the topics that we chatted about and we're doing around two. So Keith and I really wanted to make this an interactive episode and I've been dying to do this kind of a new segment for the freelance dietitian, which is to actually answer questions that listeners have. Keith is such a great resource of information and he's so willing to talk about mental health. So I hope that I hope starting this segment out with a mental health worker is not intimidating. You don't have to pour your heart out. I mean, you can if you want to. Uh, it can just be even as simple as like understanding the mechanism behind anxiety or the mechanisms behind imposter syndrome or why are some days you're so reactive to certain scenarios and then other days you're completely fine and able to better manage your emotions. There is no question too small when it comes to mental health, and this is going to be a free opportunity to chat with someone who is very well regarded in the field and has helped like hundreds and hundreds of people. Keith really is the shit. So I hope if you feel comfortable, you take advantage of this opportunity. And if not, and you're just happy to listen and learn, that's totally fine too. That's what the show is all about, getting information out there for you guys. So if you want to participate and submit a question in, you will go to my website, freelancedietitian.com, and just click on the contact page. And then there's just an autofill text box there where you can type in your question. Anyone who submits a question, I will default them to anonymous. So everything is going to be confidential. If you want me to read your name on the podcast, because some people want a little shout out, then make sure that you explicitly say in your, in your contact note, hey, Julia, It's cool if you read my name on the podcast. I'd love a shout out. Here's my question for you and Keith. And that's that. So that wraps us up for today. That's the last thing I wanted to say. If you like this episode and if you like the show, please consider dropping a five-star review and leaving some love in the comment section. 
it really helps to gain some credibility for the show and just help boost the momentum and keep it going so I can keep pitching to awesome people. That's it for now. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Oops, almost forgot to do my signature bye. Bye.